0: This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Natalie Theodosi, Monocle's fashion director, taking over hosting duties this week with a special on London Fashion Week. On today's program, Caroline Rush, CEO of the British Fashion Council, shares why this edition has been so special. We meet one of Fashion Week's most prominent designers, Emilia Wixted, who walks us through her inspiration for her fall 2024 collection and her plans to design Air New Zealand new uniforms. And we share some of our highlights from the runways this week. All that coming up on Monocle On Design. Hello and welcome to Monocle on Design. Today I'm joined in the studio by Grace Charlton to talk about all things London Fashion Week. Grace, welcome to the show. What were your impressions of the last few days, given that I know you cover both fashion but also design. You are also at Stockholm Design Week. So how is London interesting as a fashion week, as a fashion capital compared to all the other different trade fairs and events that you cover? I
1: think London Fashion Week's strength is really its exuberance, the way that people will throw together these maybe a little bit crazy outfits um, that maybe don't make sense in other cities, but they make sense in London, um, where fashion is definitely something that's playful. In Milan, I feel like you can't... Wear a tartan skirt over jeans with huge shoes. You have to maybe pare it back a little bit and be a little bit more focused on tailoring, or I don't know if that would fly in Paris either. But in London, it's more about colours, textures, all of it.
0: You're right. I think rules just don't exist in in my, most of the London community. Do you find that there's a community element that is different to other cities as well, or very different to the design community? I think there's definitely a little ecosystem
1: of people who are happy to see each other at shows. It's definitely a friendly community. People are really happy and outgoing and lots of conversations take place between shows. And it's definitely like a fun, chatty week. Design is a different world in a way that it's a little bit more straight in terms of the products and the ideas and the functionality, but fashion maybe has a little bit more whimsy to it.
0: And it was a really special fashion week this season because it was the 40th anniversary of London Fashion Week. I was reading that it had started at 1984, a small tent near the Natural History Museum to help designers who are struggling financially. And it has really evolved over the years. A lot of new talent coming. And you spoke about it uh, with Caroline Rush, the Chief Executive Officer of the British Fashion Council. You were in between shows. Tell me, what did you talk about with Caroline? Yeah, we talked about how the BFC is supporting
1: young designers, how they've always done that. She mentioned some names that were once were up and coming and are now established and heads of bigger houses. And how they do that is maybe by providing spaces for collections to be shown, which can be a huge expense if you're just starting out. How they also make sure to show the Central St. Martin's collections and the University College of London exhibitions. I think that's a big part of London's scene and how it's sort of creative in a almost grassroots way. The whole city is a little bit more creative and gets behind London Fashion Week and inspires everyone in
0: return. Great. Let's hear from Caroline Rush, CEO of the British Fashion
2: Council. This is the first Fashion Week of our 40th year. And it is um, a moment really to reflect on London being one of the four global fashion capitals, a leading creative capital that has been a platform for generation after generation of incredible creative businesses to reach international audiences. An opportunity to tell the stories of not just the designers, but of course, those that are on the in the audiences, backstage, writing and commentating about the event, um, as well as a, a moment to really reflect on how London, like no other fashion capital, is really at the intersection of creative industries and culture and that quite often comes to the fore through the shows as well. Throughout the year, the British Fashion Council spends a lot of time working with its membership body of designers uh, from small and startup businesses all the way through to the big established brands. But I think what we're known best for is supporting emerging talent and we do that through our BFC Foundation charity with programmes ranging from scholarship programmes and Saturday clubs all the way through to New Gen, our Fashion Trust grants and our fashion funds that we do in partnership with Vogue and GQ. And New Gen is the original designer support programme. We celebrated 30 years of New Gen last year, famously. The first cohort of designers included Lee McQueen. If you just reflect on the designers that have come through that programme over the last 30 years, is that they've either gone on to be at the helm of uh, global fashion brands like Kim Jones and Stuart Viva's or they've continued their creative practice, whether that's in fashion or other design areas as well. And when we look at some of the stars of Fashion Week, the Erdem, the Rock Sanders, Simone Rocha, J.W. Anderson, Molly Goddard, they've all come through New Gen. So for the international audiences that come to London to see the creativity and new, is the New Gen designers are always right at uh, the forefront of their priorities of shows to see. For many internationally, these will be new names to the fashion industry, and London is this place to discover new incredible creative talent which will be the global names of the future. I am sat outside the Bora Axis show about to go in and I think Bora is a fantastic example of just the depth of creativity that we have on London's catwalk from the cutting edge designers that are really challenging the norms through to Bora's aesthetic which is uh, extremely feminine um, has a, a big international business and really she uses London Fashion Week as that flat platform to engage with not just the media retailers but the influencer audience well we have a lot of our new gen designers or new gen alum today and just seeing them go from strength to strength season after season is uh, one of the the big rewarding moments and opportunities during london fashion week running a designer fashion business is not an easy business to run because particularly at the top end of the market when you are expected to innovate and create every season quite often several times a year more than just sort of the the two main seasons or to winter spring summer is that constant creativity and innovation also is a costly business to develop create samples trading with the eu which was one of our biggest markets has been extremely challenging post-brexit just from a Paperwork uh, perspective and shipping of goods all the way through to the additional costs of tariffs. You know the British businesses are finding it uh, challenging, but they are creative, resourceful. I think now have started to settle into understanding the cost of the business and how they can adapt to that. And then, of course, there's cost of living crisis. Although we're seeing designer collections on the runway is many of these are small independent businesses that are really feeling the increased costs of doing business you know increasing fuel and energy costs etc so it is a challenging time and we're extremely mindful of that during London Fashion Week you see the young designers showing at New Gen making the very most of things like a free venue But equally, I know for those that maybe decide to skip a season because of the cost of living and cost of doing business is that that they always enjoy returning to the London Fashion Week schedule because of the additional eyeballs that it brings across the world and the opportunity for them to increase sales and to increase their direct consumer audiences as well since social media has made london fashion week a fashion and entertainment platform everybody wants to find an opportunity to get involved and of course if london fashion week gives an additional energy to retail and footfall, then that is great for business as well we engage with many of the brands and retailers and institutions across the city just people in london when they're seeing hopefully the images on the billboard on social media in the press coverage that they are also feeling that they're able to have a little moment to celebrate London Fashion Week and to celebrate fashion as part of our creative industries and culture in London.
0: That was Caroline Rush of the British Fashion Council. We'll be back with more on some of our favourite showcases after the break. Tune in to Monocle on Culture, where we grill our panel of critics to get the inside line on the best in the world of film, music, art, literature and more.
2: It's just got this synth section that kind of makes you want to swing through the saloon doors straight to the dance floor.
0: With industry insiders and the odd bit of reportage too, it's bound to keep the most discerning of culture vultures very well fed. Why'd You Come In Here Looking Like That is a song that is absolutely going to make you want to put on a pair of tight jeans and go boot scooting, even if it's just in (laughs) your front room. Monocle on Culture, premiering Mondays at 20.00 London time and available thereafter wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Monocle on Design. This is a London Fashion Week special. I'm Natalie Theodosi, Monocle's fashion director, joined by our in-house writer Grace Charlton. Now, I think let's talk about the shows themselves, which is the most fun part, right? What were your highlights? What did you see that attracted your attention? I love conceptually thought through collections. Um,
1: Bora Aksu was inspired by the American sculptor Eva Hesse. His collection was very post-minimal in a way that it's not about clean cuts and pared back palettes. It's sort of layers on layers of knitted mohair or bodices. And then on the flip side, we've got Yudon Choi, who is known for more of a tailored and streamlined look. He was inspired by Pompeii and the volcanic eruption that happened there. So the palette was very muted. It was sage, green, and also brown. And I just love when designers have these clear influences. I also saw Holtzweiler. They're showing for the second time in London. They used to show in Copenhagen, but I think they've decided to move to London in order to get away from the Scandinavian conglomerate and be a little bit more specific in terms of Norwegian style and what that means. They had this collection that was kind of crazy and maybe goofy at times with these really long-sleeved jumpers, huge puffers.
0: What were your highlights, Natalie? I saw Molly Goddard and Simon Rocha's shows, who were two of my absolute favourites. They always are. And what really stood out was how they've built a community around their brands. They're not necessarily huge brands like the the names you mentioned, Boraxu, Udonchoi, they're independent. They're smaller scale, more niche. But they found their community, they're quite consistent. So in the case of Molly Goddard, she'll always uh, offer a play on her signature tulle skirts. Uh, There's always kind of knits that look like you picked something up from uh, a vintage market in Portobello Road where she has her atelier. So, it's a scrappy but very charming look, and she presented it in a um, folk. Uh music and dance center in Primrose Hill. And you could just see all her friends and different women that support her get together. And it was just beautiful and very similar uh, in the case of Simone Rocha. uh, In the evening, on on the same day, she took us to uh, a church in East London. So it, it was quite mystical, very beautiful. And it was an evolution again of her signature look, which is very romantic, loads of pearls, um, for some crazy, kooky uh, shoes uh, created in collaboration with Crocs. So a, a really beautiful mix of romance, of eccentricity, and you could just see all the people are there. It's like her tribe, dressed in the clothes, head to toe, and uh, she really created a community around it, which is the strength of London. Maybe you don't get this large-scale collections of the big houses that you find in Milan and Paris, but you get people with a point of view who, have, who found their niche and created really beautiful communities around them. Did you wear a tall skirt? Sadly not, but I really want to buy one after seeing uh, Molly's show. So it's, it's on the wish list. Was there anything else that you were inspired either to wear or to, to kind of start trying out, having seen uh, all the different shows over the weekend?
1: Strangely enough, menswear at Dunhill was very inspiring. Um, London doesn't really have a men's fashion week, so they've collapsed it into one with the women's wear, which I think is fine. Um, And it seems to be working at Dunhill. It's a new chapter for them. They've got a new creative director since April 2023. His name is Simon Holloway. He's English. It was a very English affair. We were in the National Portrait Gallery And these models came out in car coats and leather gloves and three-piece suits. And they had, like, pocket squares, but they also had a little bit of evening wear and, like, bow ties. And it was so quintessentially English and sort of unashamedly so. And it just looked very chic. And I was thinking, I should just get a car coat even though I can't drive.
0: (laughs) I think everything that you describe captures London really well. You've got this kind of more traditional English brands that do tailoring so well, but then uh, Boraxu that you mentioned earlier is Turkish. Simon Rocha that I loved is Irish. So you really get this beautiful mix of uh, backgrounds and personalities and styles. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, Emilia Wickstead, who is from New Zealand. Again, a very different uh, background and aesthetic. You got the chance to speak to her in her studio right before the show. So tell me a little bit about what that conversation was like and, and what was it like in her studio just as she was preparing her collection?
1: It was really busy. Everyone was milling around, getting little details ready. When I walked in, they were choosing the playlist for the show and debating which songs to play. So, I mean, full creative control on the part of Amelia Wixted that she's overseeing every detail.
0: She's one of the designers that I've been covering ever since I started working in fashion. And I think the way that she draws different inspirations from the past and how refined and ladylike her clothes look is, is really beautiful to watch. And, and her show felt even more mature and grown up. She keeps evolving every season. So let's hear from Amelia Wickstead talking from her studios as she's preparing her London Fashion Week collection.
3: The collection this season is looking through the lens of a photographer and specifically looking at street style photography in mid-century New York, sort of during the 1960s, 1970s. I was looking at a lot of black and white photography and sort of capturing native New Yorkers on public spaces during this 1960s, 1970s period. And what I sort of loved specifically about Gary Winogrand is his photographs have this sort of vibrancy and sense of candid character to them. And you feel this rich tapestry of New York and all of its many characters from Fifth Avenue to to downtown. Um, And it inspired me to think about designing for characters, really, almost like girl gangs, groups of women who came together to form almost like this sort of eccentric melting pot of colorful style. And I love a few of the quotes that Gary has said about his photography. I don't know if all the women in photographs are beautiful, but I do know that the women are beautiful in the photographs. And I sort of love this idea of capturing a woman's essence through photography in a moment of time and this being reflected and formed by her her wardrobe, which is the idea that I'm often thinking about with my work. So I'm thinking of a complete wardrobe for our customer and then with this collection, I'm reinventing a wardrobe for today's woman. Everything was about photography, I would say, and Evelyn Hoffer played a very big part in our colour palette. You'll see a lot of these sort of earthy chocolate browns and greys, which sort of reflect the city, but then you'll also find sort of these candy floss pinks and mustard. We're using this mustard moiré and, and candy sort of moiré, but then mixed with these floral colours, so Evelyn Horta played a big part in the colour palette, which is, which I think is quite exciting.
1: Did you go on any fun trips to New York to get some inspiration?
3: I actually was in New York for the first time last year, and I hadn't been there for four and a half years. And I actually used to live there for a very short period of my of my early. God, I would think I was twenty one at the time for my my early years, and I was very, very, very inspired going back, and just with the. The sort of energy of the city. I'd sort of forgotten about it and I loved it when I lived there and I felt it. It's a place where you can sort of be anything that you want. And we captured for our pre-fall campaign, our resort campaign, a group of New York women. And they were creative women in the industry and we photographed them all around the city. So I almost feel like this inspiration feeds off of that return to New York City after being away for four and a half years, um, going back there finding these amazing female characters, women that some I had met, women that were already customers, women that had already written about us, women that come to our show, women that we collaborated with. But also there were a few women in our campaign that I'd never met before. And it was, again, this girl gang of New York City, everyone on their own journey. And I loved photographing them and being in the city and doing that and really capturing the essence of the city. So, This season, I'm really capturing and thinking a lot about the types of women who I guess existed in the 1960s, 1970s. They were sort of this rebellious youth. They were teddy boys and girls, Italian-American immigrants who brought their own personal flair and style to New York, which I'm very much inspired by, and effectively elegant women on the Upper East Side, who had this sort of stubborn sense of grace and this new wave academics who stood for liberalism and gender identity. And I think that you'll see that through the styling and through the way that we capture each look on the runway, because it's almost like every look is presenting a different identity of one of these women in this sort of girl gang.
1: In terms of the clothes, how does this translate in terms of silhouettes, materiality and colours?
3: We're covering all of those things, but we're really creating in the collection what's our modern version and what's our take, so it's not completely literal. You will see, I mean, I love fall winter because I love layering and I love the beautiful um, fall winter fabrics and we're using lots of tweeds, but we're using a lot of leather, uh, we're using a lot of organza, we're using... um, organza embellishment, we have a quintessential Amelia Wickstead floral print, um, but with huge vibrancy and sort of our colour palette. And I love using autumnal tones, but then having almost this juxtaposition of these really bright, almost fluoro colours. So you'll see that come through in the collection. Um, But it feels very handsome. It feels very strong and motivated by a strong-minded female character. There's a real um, moment of toughness, I think, through the fabrications and through the silhouettes and the character, the type of muse that we're casting when we're looking at models. I'm always
1: interested to hear fashion designers talk about this. Um, For me, getting dressed is kind of like putting on a suit of armour for the day. Or becoming a character through clothes, sometimes I feel like my best outfits have an element of costume to them. I was wondering if you feel this
3: responsibility towards the women you dress. A hundred percent. I am very passionate about good design and the power of clothing and I believe that it is completely transformative and uplifting and it's my greatest intention with everything that I do to make sure that I'm ticking those boxes because I think we don't even realise sometimes, but I do feel that sometimes clothing can be taken for granted almost, that we forget the power and the confidence that it gives us, especially with with spring, the spring-summer collection that we're selling now. You know, there was this sort of real ease and it didn't have toughness. You could just throw on those pieces and that was very much our inspiration for the collection. And I think even if you're dressing in that sense or you're really playing up and dressing up for a certain occasion. Like either way, clothing can be so powerful. And that's what I intend to do whether you're dressing in a casual sense or whether you're dressing up for a certain occasion. As a designer, I'm continuously responding to what women need for for their wardrobes constantly thinking about how women are dressing today because I think it's ever-changing. Even from when I started 15 years ago, women would come and build wardrobes and now it's very different. You're repeating what you're wearing and you're dressing for certain occasions or just everyday life as opposed to, I'm building a wardrobe for my life right now and what it is today. I think it's sort of changed a little bit and I like the idea that even if we're creating occasional wear that it's very much for the modern day woman that's dressing up very quickly, is on the go, is on the run. She's living a fast paced life and she doesn't want to be too fussy. And I think that even in an occasional wear, nothing is too fussy, which I feel quite, quite proud and inspired by.
1: You've been asked to design the new uniforms for Air New Zealand. How did this gig for Flying the Flag
3: for your country come about? Um, To be perfectly honest, I joke about this all the time, but it is very serious and very honest and transparent that I've always wanted to do it. So members of my family have worked either on on the plane or behind the scenes at Air New Zealand. And so I feel like it's almost a bit built in myself and my family and my heritage personally and feels very nostalgic for me when I think of our airline, New Zealand is where I'm from. It's the community that I come from. It's the place that I love. It's where I feel most nostalgic. When I think of home, when I think of the past, and I think of the way that I grew up, I feel really lucky to come from there. And so it's almost like going full circle, because I, I truly believe that you grow up somewhere and your family and, and the heritage of a certain place and community and country is so very much inbuilt in you that it creates who you are, and it helps build your dreams. I mean, I was educated there in every sense of the word. And so I really believe that I've left New Zealand to follow my dreams and to build something bigger um, internationally and global. But it all started in New Zealand. So it's a very special place for me and I still call it home. And so to be able to come full circle and to work on these airline uniforms is sort of a dream come true, which sounds really corny, but it's completely true. It's very much an extension of the Amelia Wixted aesthetic doing these uniforms. It feels like it's very much built into our brand and the way that we tailor, balanced with obviously the creativity and the innovation that we're known for as a brand. But I like to think that, like I said, tailoring is a really big piece of the brand. Great fabric, great fit. The confidence that Amelia Wickstead clothing gives you, how it makes you feel empowered. And so all of that coming together into a uniform just feels very natural for us as a brand. To sort of come in after Christian Dior and Nina Ricci. It feels pretty pretty great and other New Zealand designers that have come on board and designed great uniforms since I think. I'm I'm pretty excited. When I talk about the inspiration I feel really excited to be paying a huge tribute to Maori culture in a very emotive way. I can't wait for the world to see how we'll make use of Maori storytelling in a truly authentic and beautiful way through print and pattern that we can showcase in a global way. That is at the the root of, you know, the design process, and I think it's sort of never been done before in the right way, and I feel very passionate and excited to show and and have that element of storytelling on a global scale.
0: That was Amelia Wixted. It's so interesting that she's also now designing uh, the the uniforms for Air New Zealand. What did you make of that? She was
1: so excited to do it, and I would be too. I mean, it's really the dream gig to fly the flag for your nation and design the uniforms. Because I think, I don't know if you feel this way, but I look at um, flight attendants' uniforms from years gone by and they look so much better than the ones we're used to today that I would be worried if they went near a flame in those (laughs) polyester um, trousers. But... Yeah, I can't wait to see what she's created. I'm sure it'll be
0: really beautiful. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's a conversation we've been having here at Monaco for a while that we need to return to a little bit more elegance uh, when it comes to how we dress when we fly and also how um, staff uh, on planes dresses. And I think Amelia Wickstead is a perfect candidate to bring that elegance and refinement back. I can't wait to see the uniforms. And just to end... Final thoughts from a busy, exciting London Fashion Week? It was, yeah, it was was really fun. Um, I guess we'll do
1: it all again in six months. But yeah, my final thought, I do have to be honest, Holtzweiler took place at Tate Britain. And the way they set it up was to have screens all around the show, which meant that people who were on a fun day out to a public institution in London couldn't see what was going on there were lots of kids and families and they were trying to peer behind the curtains and see what was happening but they couldn't I would like to see more of a public facing side of London Fashion Week come to the fore in the next few years
0: I think that's a very good takeaway that, that hopefully designers and the organizers can listen to and and think about for next season and do you have any final thoughts I would say that I'd love to see even more support and maybe more of a conversation between the younger names uh, on the calendar and the more established ones because it is getting harder and harder to launch a brand and you see less of them, but London is, is really known like you were talking about before for its schools, for the up and coming talent. So I'd love to see more support for the young, uh, brands, uh, people like Connor Ives, Harry's Reed, who, who opened the week, um, on, on the Thursday at the, at the Tate Modern. Um, I think more people need to show up and support them and, find, and retailers need to find ways to work with them more closely just to make sure that their businesses can keep going and that London can stay on the map as an exciting fashion capital. And that's all for today's show. Nick will be back hosting the program next week, but in the meantime, for more design stories, listen to our five-minute bonus show, Monocolon Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print... Then do pick up a copy of Monaco magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced and edited by Maylee Evans and Steph Chungu. I'm Natalie Theodosi, and I'm Grace Thompson. Thanks for listening.